Hello. Hi. Welcome back to another envelope of Wholeheartedly. I've wanted to talk about this topic ever since I've started this podcast. And if I'm honest, I've built myself this pressure that there's going to be only one envelope and one episode on this. And so I want to get it right and I want to get it perfect. And obviously that is a ridiculous standard to go ahead and think of, but I still think about it anyways. I wanted to talk about the concept of stage fright in any sense of the words. So this could be just speaking aloud, this could be public speaking, it could be just talking to a small group of people. I feel like we go about our days performing a lot, whether it's in our jobs or in our education, or whether it's at home with family or friends even, or yourselves. We spend our days performing because our progress is measured by performance, right? I feel like that's the basis of every sign of progress for anything. We're constantly told, you know, oh yeah, you're performing great or you're doing this well. Life is a series of action items and that sounds really bad, but every place that you step foot in is a stage. I personally really connect with the topic of talking about speaking aloud and, you know, presentations and what makes it kind of nerve-wracking. And I think part of me putting off making this topic a thing is maybe because I feel like, I don't know, it's a little bit ironic for me to sit here and talk about it and also considering my job and I feel like I've grown so much from not talking at all and in fact I think people who used to know me in high school they probably end up being quite surprised at how I guess more outspoken I can tend to be and just the projects that I like to work on such as this which is me talking you're literally not being entertained by anything other than me talking to you right now and that's kind of scary not gonna lie but I can't wait to just kind of discuss and dig in and excavate all of our thoughts into one. I feel like we should really start with acknowledging why talking as just a skill or an action can be actually so nerve-wracking and so scary no matter how many times you do it. Being heard is actually quite a scary thing, right? Like in your head, you're able to think of whatever you want to think about and no one can hear it. And if you make mistakes or if you second guess yourself, all those thoughts are for yourself. And when it comes to talking aloud, for me at least, I used to always find it a really scary thing because I would view talking as something I had to perfect and try and get right and 100% seamless and correct, which isn't always the case. I feel like everyone's brains work different. Some people can think linearly, which is amazing in my opinion because I can't. And some of us think in fragments, right? And so thoughts will come and go and you might jumble words here and there, you might shuffle them, you might switch them around, swap them around. And I think for me, I was always scared of speaking when I was in primary school. I was actually okay with that. 
But when I got into secondary and especially high school and middle school, actually towards the end of middle school, towards high school, I developed a really strong anxiety. I think fear and anxiety can be really different in terms of the way that these words feel, but I developed a lot of anxious behaviors when it came to speaking or even just being seen and being heard. I think there comes a time where I was fairly okay, but then I think one time in eighth grade, I did a presentation and some absurd story that probably tore my heart into pieces when I was in middle school, but I remember doing an English presentation. Haha, <laughs> this is hilarious considering in hindsight what I do now. I did an English presentation and I wanted to talk in the most confident way. I didn't know how to go about this. This was my first formal presentation I've ever done. And so I went up there, did my thing, thought I did it amazingly because I emphasize certain words. I was really nervous up there though, I will say. And I think the nerves kind of translated as talk as fast as possible, emphasize words as much as possible. And that was my kind of way of approaching this task. So I went ahead and I did this presentation. On my way back to my seat, I heard someone in my class just kind of utter to themselves and like just under their breath, I heard someone say, wow, so dramatic. And I sat down and I remember from that day onwards, I never did a presentation ever again that was just even trying to mimic confidence or instead of being rewarded for me trying to be confident, um, my middle school self was kind of made fun of for it and no one kind of picked that up. So I just kind of thought, oh, okay, I'm not going to do that again because that was kind of humiliating. We don't want to be humiliated, right? Like, I think every time we try and put ourselves out there in terms of verbally, we're taking a risk in the sense that we're allowing people to judge openly or passively what we're saying and kind of intake what we're saying into their brains so that they can process it and think about whether or not it's worth their time. I was always a really anxious kid anyways, but I think that moment in particular was so damaging to me because. I couldn't recognize myself at the time. I couldn't reflect on my own actions as being positive. I didn't have the capacity to do that. And so the only things I could reflect were negative things. And I don't know, that's like a very, I think that's a very common middle school experience. Yeah, so I sucked at presentations and actually in high school, I did a presentation so bad that I was given the opportunity to redo it which was actually a really good opportunity, obviously looking back, but at the time it's like, wow, like I sucked at this presentation task so much that I was given a second chance. And then I think because you spend so many years or most people spend all of their high school years with the same people. And so I didn't think that I could change out of the box that I've kind of molded myself in. I felt like this was my identity forever. I was forever going to be not talkative, super quiet, which isn't a bad thing, by the way, but I think I've been conditioned by other adults around me at the time that being quiet was really bad or looked down on because I wasn't communicating efficiently or effectively. Yeah, there was that. And I think just kind of trying to move past it. I think this is where change is really positive and changing spaces, mindsets, community, all of that is really positive in the way that it can help you expand who you are, how you express yourself, the different ways in which you can see yourself grow. 
So it wasn't until university that I think I got pretty good at presentations or not good. I still trembled and I overprepared, but I think it didn't show like any kind of efforts that I put in seemed effortless in the end product of it, if that makes sense. Like people didn't realize that I managed to get the hang of doing presentations and doing presentation prep. Um, whatever was necessary to just kind of shield the fact that I was losing my mind presenting in front of a class and a professor. I think in a way I was so terrified of presenting and speaking aloud because I felt like that little bracket of time in which I was speaking would define who I am forever or have people judge whether or not I was worthy as a human being. It was like a weird, it's, it's just all inside my head, right? And I know I'm not alone in this, so feel free to kind of think about what I just said and think to yourselves, wow, that's me. But I definitely, I didn't see a presentation as temporary. I saw it as permanent. But I remember thinking, you know, I spend so many hours of the day thinking that anything I perform or externalize is permanent, but it's not. And I think once you realize that what you say is not always going to be permanent, yes, sometimes the things you say you can't take back, but in a more positive light, if you do make a mistake, if you do fumble over your words or you stutter, you can always prove yourself to be better than that later on. Like everyone stutters. I use fillers all the time. Um, and I, <laughs> I literally just used a filler. This is ridiculous. Okay. Anyway, moving on. I use fillers all the time because it helps me process my thoughts and the speed that it is coming into my brain and the speed that it takes for me to vocalize. And so sometimes fillers aren't bad. They help you kind of digest a thought process that's coming in. They help you buy time. They also provide you with pausing time and thinking time and patience. I feel like I was never patient with myself when I was presenting anything or talking aloud or public speaking. I felt like it had to be instinctive and instinctive meant fast and speedy and instant right there, right in front of you on a plate, on a silver platter. But it's not always the case, right? Like we have to be patient with ourselves. I think we feel a lot of guilt for making other people listen to us and such that we want to make sure whatever we're saying and our presence is worth their time, which is such a big burden to put on ourselves. I guess it doesn't help that we grow up being kind of judged based on a set of achievements to do with presenting, right? Like eye contact, moving around, hand gestures, being confident. These are all attributes that I actually learned in a TED Talks class that I took during my second year of university. I did take a TED Talks class. I thought it was a requirement and so I took it and then I realized it wasn't a requirement because I was in the uni under like a certain pathway so I shouldn't have to do it but I did it anyways because I was like well I suck at speaking so I might as well learn something from this class and we were only assessed based on presentations so there was no essay there was no quiz none of that it was just presentations a single presentation and a group presentation the first individual and group presentations that i did were in my opinion so much room for growth 
And I think it wasn't until later on I did my individual presentation and I thought, you know, this is actually pretty good. I'm really happy with my progress. You know, I learned how to make eye contact. I learned how to pace myself. I learned how to talk about topics that were important to me. Um, I learned how to support other people as well. And it was just a space where we all knew we had room to grow. But I wouldn't say that one class changed everything. I underwent many, many other numerous presentations in my own subject classes. There's definitely a strength in realizing that the more you do something is when you get better at it rather than doing it on the first try and being amazing at it. Some people can do that, which is oh my gosh, amazing. But I personally cannot do something on the first try and know that it will turn out seamless. So um, yeah, I think something that helped was developing a routine with my presentation prep. So a lot of my classes had handout requirements. So you had to basically make a handout of your presentation to give to your peers so that they could follow along or take notes or also for the prof to take notes as well and understand where you're headed with something. And I think once I kind of had the layout and the structure of that handout down, I knew how to section my speech and my presentation into different subsequent points, kind of like a verbal essay. It sounds really scary when I put it that way, but it helped me to know that there's an introduction and there are three points and then there's a conclusion and a discussion question usually. And I will say because I was studying something that I was interested in and I could choose my presentation topic or the text that I wanted my presentation to be on, I had an advantage of being really invested in what I was saying so much that I wasn't really thinking about, oh, I'm so stressed about making sure my delivery is okay. I was more stressed about getting my point across. And so when and the time came, actually, I want to say that I did push myself into the pool before I knew how to swim with this terrible way of expressing this analogy anyway. But I remember I would do all the usual prep for this presentation. So I would make cue cards. I would make a PowerPoint with prompts on it. I would have the text in front of me in case I needed to reference it. And I remember just being able to at some point, the nerves would take over so much that I could not spend energy reading my cue cards. Like, I could not read. I genuinely could not read a thing. And so I ended up just improving a lot of stuff. And then I think over time, I would just ditch the cue cards and I would just have the handout that everyone else had. And I would just draw symbols and like visual like objects just to help me prompt you know, what the topic is that I was going to talk about. So for example, if I was going to move on to talking about I mean, the last presentation I remember, I did it on the Iliad. And if I wanted to talk about, let's say, Achilles' rage, and then maybe I would draw a fire symbol and just a bunch of monster-looking things just to symbolize how rage can be defacing of honor and whatever. Probably wasn't what I presented on, but that's just an example. Um, so visual prompts really helped me because I knew that if I saw like, let's say like the glass symbol, maybe that meant perspective. Or if I saw me draw just kind of like a silly face and that means like maybe I want to self insert the joke that I've been prepping for the past 24 hours in this moment if I wanted to risk it. Um, I think forcing myself to ditch those cue cards was really helpful for me because my delivery became a lot more natural, but also I still put a lot of pressure on myself to make sure every word I said was worth everyone's time. Terrible way to 
put pressure on yourself. Don't do that. Try not to do that. I know it's easier said than done. Point is, I think I managed to have a significant amount of change with this. And I think I remember the first time I thought I've made a really good presentation. It was for, and it was for my Shakespeare class. Discussion questions during those sessions were really helpful because I felt really validated in terms of being heard and, you know, people want to understand what I was trying to research. But it was things like, I remember one of my profs asking me a question and when they asked it, they said, well, you mentioned this and I was just wondering if and then this. And I remember thinking to myself, was I talking to people? Because I've always felt like I was talking at people all my life for presentations. Like I felt like it wasn't a mutual discussion that was being prepared here with a presentation. I always thought it was just me performing. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. And then get back to my seat. And so that was really eye-opening to me and really helpful in letting me understand that a presentation is really you trying to make a discussion rather than you performing and saying, I'm doing this all by myself. Look at what I can do. Let's think about it together now. So I've kind of talked a little longer than I would have liked on why stage fright is a thing, why public speaking is so scary on my end. But let's talk a little bit about moving past it in a more kind of positive sense. There are a couple of things that I think we end up picking up over time in terms of trying to better ourselves in our verbal language and communication and expression. One of those, which I fully believe in, is fake it till you make it. I mean, you won't ever really know when you've made it. Sometimes you just have to trust that you're making it, but it's like fake it till you can trust you're making it. So in my everyday work now, obviously I'm teaching secondary and I feel like I'm performing all the time. And sometimes I get so exhausted by it because I've externalized everything. Like you have a bad day, don't let it show. You're angry about something, don't let it show. You're ridiculously excited about something really silly, but you have to remain content. Yeah, don't let it show. Um, I feel like it's not just subjective to teaching as well. I feel like a lot of jobs out there, and even as a student, you're supposed to kind of fake a certain demeanor. You're supposed to kind of have a specific demeanor. So if I was to, let's say, be a teacher, there's an expectation once you walk into the room that you know exactly what you're talking about and, you know, you're not making mistakes and you're perfect and you know exactly where things are going and what the intentions are with things. And I will say that that's maybe I'm trying to make it 80% of the time true, but I also have to leave a 20% to be flexible and also to allow room for error. Here's where as a teacher, I'm constantly thinking of how I can model making mistakes for students in the sense that if I make a mistake, like I want to be honest about it. And then, you know, mistake is made. We fixed it. Now let's just move on. Because when I was a kid, I thought mistakes were permanent. Like again with the permanence thing, like I thought it was permanent. I didn't see mistakes as a temporary artifact of the time. I thought making a mistake meant that 
the mistake would appear forever. Even now, like little things, like when I stumble over my words, I think it's like allowing myself to say things like, sorry, let's try that again. As I was saying, starting over again. And I think, yes, it can be confusing, but as long as you're just kind of honest about it, I think people know that, okay, you've acknowledged that mistake and now here's you fixing it and now you're moving on and we're not even going to talk about it anymore. Now, even if you fake confidence, I think being confident in making a mistake is also a key to something. But also, I don't think anyone really expects you to talk for, let's say, like two hours straight no pauses seamlessly, perfectly, with every word perfectly selected. I mean, some people can actually do this, but it takes so much practice. And I've only seen a handful of people do it in front of me in my everyday life. And when when this happens, let me tell you, I do have kind of an out-of-body experience because I'm like, this is ridiculous. They're able to do this. Fake it till you make it. I think it's sometimes helpful to imagine who you want to sound like in terms of confidence. Like think of the most confident person that you know and try to collect their energy in your brain. I don't know. I I have only so many tips, but fake it till you make it is definitely a strong one. One of you said, with the help of my capstone advisor, who kept assuring me that I will never be able to satisfy or cater to the tastes of people, but at the same time, Putting myself out there meant opening possibilities to meeting people with the same tastes as I do. They're somewhere in the corners of the universe, and I won't be able to find them unless I step out of my head and assert myself in a way. That is great advice. Like, you never know who you're going to be able to connect with unless you kind of keep trying. You got to open your heart a little bit more and be able to take risks and trust that those risks will lead you to only good things. And all of the rubble and mistakes along the way are all part of the experience into getting to those good things. The self-sabotaging panic button and immediately I go into lockdown mode even though I am perfectly capable of speaking and can do so when practicing. The stage fright really has its grip on me. I have two coping strategies. One, to deflect speaking. And two, on a more general scale, to build my own trust in myself by doing things that foster my overall self-confidence. It's so, so hard and sometimes I just wish I was one of those people who can command a room when they speak. Tis not me. Oh, yeah, I used to think that I needed to command a room all at once, just really loudly. And I think we automatically think of, this is interesting, I think we think about volume in correlation with commanding a room. We think that we need to raise our voices um, in the literal sense in order to get a room's attention. One of the most helpful tips I've ever been taught or told, witnessed it so many times, is there is a possibility of commanding a room using waiting time. So what this means is just kind of standing there and just waiting for people to realize you're waiting. I started doing it, I think a while ago, and it does really work in terms of you're not yelling at people over their yelling. And you're also just kind of gently you know, saving your voice box and also just waiting as it is. You're learning how to be patient, but I think, yeah, you don't necessarily have to be loud. I think there's so many ways to go about it. Like I walk around the room a lot, hand gestures. 
yeah, like trying to build your own trust in yourself is one of the most difficult things that you can do. Just trusting that you will know what to do and that's so much harder to do than to say, right? I think we can all kind of sit here and be like, yeah, all you got to do is trust yourself, but it is really hard. Claire, your experiences with this definitely resonates with me. I'm learning that I don't actually wish I was one of the people who can command a room when they speak. I do want to be a person who can choose when to command a room when I speak, whether it's by speaking or whether it's by some other form of communication that's not speaking. I think one of the best ways just to talk about how we can move past it is also hearing about how some of you guys have been moving past it or trying to work through it. Um, thank you all for sending your responses. It just makes me feel so happy that, you know, topics like this can also reach your ears and also make you think about, you know, some of your achievements and things that you should actually give yourself credit for. Because um, I feel like we don't really do that enough. But anyway, okay. So one of you said, I kind of gotten better at it, but only in a classroom, which of course I have known already how many eyes are there looking at me. If there's a large crowd, I can never make the words come out the way I planned, and if I even took a second to look at the crowd, my vision blurs and I feel like fainting. I guess I haven't actually found a solution to public speaking. Dude, same. Honestly, I feel like I'm still learning. Though going back to my capability of speaking in a classroom situation, I guess I took the time to know everyone there so I will feel less scared to present in the future, though I'm still an introvert who quivers still. So much of what you're saying reminds me of some of the everyday things I think about myself. I think meeting a new class for the first time for me as a teacher is always maybe one of the most nervous days because like I feel like my senses are not to sound unhuman but I feel like every time I meet a new class my senses are dialed up and I'm constantly looking out for reactions and responses and what their personalities are which kind of makes talking in front of them a little bit more nerve-wracking than it normally would you know when you say that you already know how many eyes are they're looking at you and you know what class is like and who they are it's a little bit better yeah i agree i think knowing people gradually and knowing who you're speaking to helps so much but i guess also the opposite occurs right like knowing people that you're speaking to makes it a little bit more nerve-wracking sometimes depending on what you're talking about okay someone else said i make sure that i know or am confident about the points or topics that I'm presenting. And I also try to come up with possible questions that might be asked. Prepare an answer and make sure I have a default statement ready if I ever encounter any questions I can't answer yet at that moment. But usually in a class environment, I'll try to look at the teacher and my closest friends when I'm presenting. And if it's on stage, the statement fake it till you make it works at times. One of my teachers once mentioned about what comes from the heart goes to the heart and it stuck with me until today. Aww. Yeah, that's a really nice statement. I definitely felt more confident when I was talking about things that I found like an, an ounce of interest in, even just a grain. Like I could be presenting about a text that I knew nothing about. And as long as I found that one aspect of it that I felt like I could connect with, it felt a lot better. But I definitely feel like I am a person who overprepares and possibly a lot of you guys do too. I come up with questions i come up with responding answers but i think i used to do this thing where i would write down my presentation by hand 
And then I would slowly and gradually, the more I wrote down the points over and over and over, I would subconsciously kind of memorize the main points of what I wanted to say, even if it's not in the exact same words. I think I kind of learned how to let go of the fact that I will not be able to replicate the same exact wording of what I want to say. And I think once I kind of accepted that, it put less pressure on me when I was presenting and when I was at the stage of presenting presenting for my capstone project which is the poetry book that is in episode two of this podcast crazy that's a while ago but when i was doing my capstone presentation on it it was one of the most nerve-wracking things to prepare for because it was something that i was really grappling with it was a personal project and i was going to be talking about this really personal project in front of so many people i remember thinking oh my gosh the content of this better be up to par on point because otherwise it's not gonna be it's not gonna be great and so um i think preparing for this i remember writing on an a4 sheet of paper double-sided i wrote down everything i wanted to say put symbols next to the points that I thought were most important, shuffled them around a little bit, wrote it again, and by the end of, I think, the day, I was practicing it and, you know, I was constantly talking to myself. When you're preparing to present something, talking to yourself really helps. I think it kind of mimics you getting used to just talking out loud and saying thoughts as they come and go. And obviously you'll filter some of them out on the final day, but I think talking to yourself is a very nice habit to adopt when you're trying to prepare for presentation because you're hearing how the words sound, you're hearing your thoughts come into your brain as they're coming in. You might also be improvising. You might also end up thinking about something out loud that you didn't think about before you were talking out loud to yourself. This has happened to me many, many times. Like every time I tell myself, I don't need to think out loud. I can just think about all the points in my head. And then I start thinking out loud and I think of a point that I wouldn't have thought about in my head. I'm like, okay, maybe I should be thinking out loud. Um, that's why I like a lot of quiet time when I'm preparing with myself because I tend to talk out loud and I don't think everyone would appreciate just hearing my thoughts just come and go at no restraint whatsoever. There is such thing as over-preparing though. My friend May said... Yes, I have really bad performance anxiety in general. Due to the nature of my work, I have to talk to a lot of people, sometimes strangers. Over these couple of months, I had the opportunity to properly practice my speaking skills and gradually become more confident. After a recent meeting with some musical friends, I realized that I was leaving it with no remnants of anxiety, which was confusing, but strangely liberating. The presenting aspect is still very much a work in progress, though. Yeah, I think I hear you with you know, trying to talk to strangers and having to talk to strangers. I have talked to so many new people in the past year. I can't really count. Um, but I think it really helps for me to know that I am trying my best. And something that's interesting for me to know is I've met a lot of new people in the past, I think, month, strangely enough. Kind of starting small talk with them or even just like a general conversation with them. I began to realize that they didn't know if I would mess up my words usually. They didn't know if I was more quiet. I could essentially just just say what I think, like just why not, you know? And if you don't see these people again, then you know, there's no reason to be nervous because they're not going to see you again. Just say what you want and from your brain as long as it's appropriate, of course. But I think yeah, there's no 
preparation other than to really throw yourself into the ocean with this like just fully dive in and fully commit to the moment practice i think when we think about practicing we might misunderstand practice by associating it with like standing in front of a mirror with cue cards ready and just saying our speeches over and over i think there are more informal ways to practice so you know for example like every day just trying to make small talk with people even if it's um just kind of menial and you think it's pointless trying to see how far your small talk topics can go i think i'm learning that it's not really small talk if it's trying to bridge you not speaking with having a full-on conversation with someone i think at the end of it small talk is a way that we do want to connect with people but we don't have the full confidence to dive deep into that i don't know i really appreciate how may said gradually being more confident i think this is something that we don't acknowledge more is we need to be patient in order to watch ourselves grow and to see our skills grow and i will say it's all worth it in the end one of you also said i always had a perception that i wasn't good enough which stems from my dyslexia and adhd reading out loud saying an answer in class was the worst i stuttered and always tripped on my words but in mass communications showing your nerves during a presentation or news or radio show assignment doesn't do me any good today i'm in my final year and i wouldn't say i've completely worked through it but it's gone better Practicing in front of friends helped so much, and allowing myself to receive feedback too fast, too slow, enough eye contact, or even checking in with my anxiety habits when I'm speaking. These include fidgeting with my fingers or touching my hair. To anyone struggling, really be patient with yourself. Get anyone close to you that you feel safe with to guide you through, and it will be worth it. I am so proud of you for being able to, you know, recognize and reflect on all of this and recognize that it's good to have a support system around you, whether it's friends or, you know, family or anyone around that you trust. I think we also have to be open with feedback, right? And I think it's great that you kind of recognize too fast, too slow, and eye contact isn't any comment made about your identity and who you are but more about your mannerisms in the moment i definitely have anxiety habits like my hands start shaking if i'm really nervous like being patient with yourself is really important i think i always had the issue of thinking that everyone around me is really impatient when really it was myself that was probably the most impatient when it came to speaking Meg says, I'm still in the process of getting over it, but I've been learning more. And for me, I had to understand that no one is rushing me except myself. On the topic of patience, girl, I understand you. Um, when my heart is racing, I try to find a slow, consistent beat mentally and will myself to be grounded in it while I present. I also try to focus on one point in my vision and ignore the rest. Yes. Okay. So I don't know if it's just me, but when we grew up, I feel like talking fast was the epitome of being confident like i felt like that was the marker of if you're confident you're able to talk fast when that's not really always the case sometimes it's better to pace yourself because some people can't always catch what you're saying all at once being able to calm yourself down in the moment is a skill it's definitely difficult when my brain is running at 100 miles per hour i swear it's so hard for me to calm myself down and say okay take your time okay Ooh, i really like this one okay so it says 
It has been helping me to always think of public speaking and even overwhelming essay writing as a means of telling a story. We are all storytellers after all in our own ways, so that was really affirming for me. It also helps as I get to know more of myself every day and the kind of dynamics that I have. There's something unique in all of us, so that has helped me narrow down and has given me clarity as to what kind of story I exactly want to tell and how to tell it to people. I think it's a good way to frame just speaking aloud to people as trying to connect to them and trying to get them to understand something that you have managed to understand, which obviously takes a lot of preparation on your part, right? And maybe more time on your part. Yeah, like when we're talking to people, we're storytelling. When we're telling someone about our day, we're storytelling. I think this is quite nice, but also I guess understanding that even if it is a form of storytelling, any reactions we get back are also their own forms of storytelling rather than critiquing your stories, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like a lot of us attach reactions and responses with completely molding or changing the nature of what we're trying to say, whether it's positive and then changing it to be a negative thing, or whether it's positive and changing it to be a confusing thing or just a re-envisioned idea and topic that completely just falls off the tracks. Ideas and thoughts are always expanding, right? So I guess that's one way to put it. Okay, someone said, I'm an education student and I have this fear every time I go in front. To at least overcome it, I try to imagine myself acting instead of actually presenting. It makes me much more confident, but I am still shaking all throughout the presentation. Yeah, like I remember the first time I got handed a whiteboard marker. For some reason, it always comes back to the story. I remember being given a whiteboard marker um, when I hadn't had any of my own classes yet, I was given the opportunity to kind of run like a task. And I remember holding this whiteboard marker and my brain just freaking out. Like even though I've done so many presentations up until this point and, um, I managed to pull through and I managed to do it and it was great because I was like, okay, I can do it. At least I can do it. But the freak out was still a thing. And I think it helps for me to know that there are different versions of ourselves and I'm able to maybe create a version of myself in the classroom that would otherwise not exist out of the classroom. Because, okay, so here's a reality about teaching. My job is one of the most exhausting jobs for any introverted person um, to begin with. I mean, it's exhausting for everyone let alone if you're an introvert. One of the most exhausting parts about it is you are constantly externalizing yourself and vocalizing your thoughts in order to communicate externally to a lot of humans in the room what you're thinking, what you want them to think, and where they are going with their thinking. And so, I don't know, it was weird because when I first started teaching, I was so exhausted. I think as time went on, actually, the more I knew the kids and the more I knew just what the dynamics of the groups were like, I began to gain energy from running classes rather than reserving energy on my own at my office desk during my planning periods. It'll be so exhausting because you're forced to kind of communicate and you're forced to kind of let everyone know what you're thinking and there's no better direct way to do this than to obviously verbalize everything. I think I got into the habit of verbalizing every little thing that I would do. So if I, I don't know, it'd be things like I would narrate everything. That was my, I think that's one of my habits in a classroom. I've never actually thought that deep about this. 
I don't actually know what I'm like in my own classroom, but I developed a habit of just vocalizing and narrating everything that I would do, especially mistakes. So there are a couple times where I'll write a word on the board and if it looks a bit wonky to me and it looks a bit weird and the spelling just doesn't seem right, even though I know I spelled it right, I just don't let my brain have any room for doubt and I turn to like I turn around and I ask everyone and I'm like, does this look right to everyone? More than half the time I'll be told that, yeah, yeah, it's correct. Or no, it's wrong. I think it needs like, everyone's really helpful. And then we just kind of move on. And that's what it is. Like I don't really spotlight it longer than that, but I think narrating my mistakes in that way really helps. Um, even when the projector isn't working, it's like, I'm basically externalizing every doubtful thought or worrying thought I have so that I can let it go and it just disappears and I don't have to deal with it anymore. Having my own class has felt liberating in this sense because I've been able to just kind of navigate how I can talk and externalize whether it's teaching or if it's just personal thoughts or just joking around. I think I'm learning a lot about myself in terms of how I deal with stressful situations and how I deal with emotions, how I deal with just everything externally. So for you, if you are an education student as well out there and you are still waiting for a moment to take your stage and have your classes, I think it's helpful to know that it becomes kind of like second nature really fast and you really pick up your own habits really, really fast. Everyone has a different teaching style and you don't have to be necessarily loud either to be a teacher. I think that's like a really misconstrued image of a teacher. Someone said, I was presenting something for philosophy class and I was so nervous and scared just because public speaking isn't really my forte. After that, my professor talked to me in private and told me how enlightening my ideas were and that I don't have to be scared because I was doing well. After that, I just believe that I have something to share to the world and there are people who are willing to listen and there will be people who will be genuinely interested. It's been three years and I still get antsy at times, but I continue to try my best to overcome my fears. I think it's so important actually to have words of affirmation during a period of time when you're learning how to feel like your words are valuable when you speak them. One of the most disheartening things is if you kind of give your all in a presentation or you don't even give your all, you just try and present your best, um, which I guess is giving your all. And the feedback that you get for it is just radio silent. No one has any thoughts to share with you. It's kind of like talking to a brick wall, which sometimes might be just as bad as getting a negative response from the crowd, you know? Like there's just this ambiguous limbo of, so thoughts, no thoughts? Was that so bad that there are no thoughts or was it so good that there are no thoughts? I can't tell, there's no closure, ah. So yeah, there's that. But anyway, I think a lot of you guys also mentioned that you have to get over your fears in order to get to where you want to be, which a lot of the times means getting over the fear of speaking. One of you said that you love Model United Nation conferences so that you have to get over the fear of speaking. Um, my friend Juliet said, I realized I had to get a job using it. You know, it's recognizing that there's no way around it you just really gotta go through it that's not a solo conquest i think for me obviously i need to be better at speaking to keep and get a job and i think society just kind of requires us to always 
externalize and verbalize our thoughts. There's no room for blank stares or pauses or just silence. And I think that's one of the most stressful additions to the expectations that we feel going through every day. We're not really given a chance to just be if we just want to be. Um, someone said, sometimes I carry a paperclip and fiddle in my closed hand. I picked it up from the movie Made in Manhattan. Love that movie. I don't remember it, but I remember it being a fundamental part of my childhood for some reason. So I love it. Um, anyway, you said that you swear it works. I also think holding something works too. Okay, someone said, I had to start talking about the things I love for a job, which made me more confident. And now I'm a teacher and it still gets hard and it's incredibly draining to be on all the time, but I use that experience to help my students. Oh my gosh. Okay, someone resonates. It is really draining and I agree. I think realizing that there's really no way around it <laughs> is the key. Oh, okay, someone said, I just hype myself up by saying one, two, three, go and focus on surrounding walls instead of faces. I think it's a good thing to hype yourself up. I think it's good to give yourself a pep talk like I can do this. I can do it. Okay, we can do this in about 30 minutes. It'll be done. Um, but I think it's also a skill to learn how to look at people without looking at people as in like, it seems like you're looking at people around you, but you're not really looking directly at them. They might think you're looking at them. Ooh, okay. There's a thought from this one person. You know who you are. I had to do it anyway, so I would use it as an opportunity to learn to be confident and speak up. Practicing speaking in front of a small group before a big group was less intimidating. I think that's a really good way to go about it for full context. This person is one of my previous students. I think it's a skill to recognize that these aren't spaces that will harm you, but more like opportunities that could help you develop confidence and develop speaking up and being able to throw in your two cents every now and then. And I think this all comes down to having a really good support system, because if we are constantly trying to be heard in a community, whether it's a small one or a big one, and if we don't feel supported, then we don't want to open up and externalize, right? And so I think it's really important to recognize support when you have it. Try and accept it. Like if someone wants to help you out with a speech or with practicing a presentation, instead of denying that help, just taking it and accepting it because there's no better help than people who want to support you and feeling like you are comfortable and safe and in an environment where you can grow. I think when I was a kid, I never felt 100% comfortable in any environment that required me to speak up and be a bit louder or even just be more vocal, but not necessarily loud. And I think that hindered a lot of my growth in being able to speak and talk a lot. Um, I was never really talkative and I think it was because of that. I think it's great that you managed to recognize that. Someone said, I pretend to be Morgan Freeman. Well, I think actually a lot of people pretend to be people that they know are comfortable speakers. And I don't think that's actually a bad thing. It's actually quite like serious speak. I think this is actually quite a good method. Like you imagine who you want to portray or like the energy you want to portray. If you want to be calming, I was doing a presentation, a subject that was for an exam 
I was doing an exam, like an oral exam, and I remember it was in a different language and I was trying my best to absorb an aura from like one of my talkative friends that I know because I know that they speak really confidently and so I was trying to like envision if I spoke in that way and I didn't feel well spoken but I did feel like it made me sound a lot more confident and fluid in my delivery which I never felt before and it was such a rush I think that was towards the end of high school but still it counts after all that I'm saying about speaking I will say I think there's a lot of worth in quiet time and silences and there is something golden about being quiet that I think a lot of people can misunderstand sometimes. I personally am an observer before I speak and I always like to be able to predict things and know things before I speak about them and I guess that's a strength in some ways but at the same time I think there's a balance that can be achieved. I didn't get to read through all the responses verbally here, but I did reply to some of them and respond to some of them. So hopefully those responses were reassuring if you feel like this is something that you go through in a very isolated way. I definitely have framed my entire growing up based off of some of these kind of experiences to do with speaking up and being louder and taking up space. So it felt nice to go through some of those thoughts and reflect on them. Anyway, I'm going to end this episode here. As always, send me your thoughts if you have any extra lingering ones for this episode through my Instagram DMs, and I will speak to you very soon. Wholeheartedly, Clara.